This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You love Hayden Show so much, we have to run it back. My landmine for every round of your fantasy football draft. Some might say our least favorite player in every single round. Um, Hayden, I hate this. I absolutely hate it, especially when we talk about the early round picks, but we got to do it for the people. Josh is only getting yelled at in the comments. That's what it. this comes down to. Don't like confrontation, like being a nice guy, uh, but I will turn this smile upside down. Let it loose. Let it loose and be very sure in calling my round one bust Stefan Diggs, not a bust, just maybe the player I'm avoiding in this round the most. He's going as the wide receiver five, eighth overall. We know he has been the wide receiver three, the wide receiver 10, the wide receiver five in scoring since joining the Buffalo Bills. But man, this Bills team put up the fourth most touchdowns in the league last year with 53. And in that season, Gabe Davis was hurt and bad. They since brought in Dalton Kincaid. They've added Deontay Hardy with $5 million. James Cook has probably going to be a better pass catcher and maybe better runner than what they've got in a Devin Singletary. So all of that combined, to me, I don't see how with all of those pieces added, we get the same 154 targets and 108 receptions. I think they just divvy up the football more often this season. Yeah, I, I'm in lockstep with you when I wrote my bus column earlier this offseason. He was my number one on there because the last two years, he's been the 51st and 12th overall player. Like, very good, but... He also scored last year 2.9 more touchdowns than you would expect. He's going into his age 30 season, maybe a little bit older than you think. Year nine, this is when you start taking a step down in decline. And I just don't see him improving from last year's numbers. So, like, I think you can be a round one, two fringe player. But I think there's a chance someone like Austin Eckler just repeats last year. And Eckler was better than Diggs in fantasy. I think Nick Chubb can do that. And also, like, I love A.J. Brown right next to Steph Diggs. I have less concerns about A.J. Brown's profile in general. Yeah. Like, typically, I'd argue when you add all those pieces, it's just going to make the offense better, which, you know, then raises everyone's ceiling. But to your point, I don't think there's anywhere else for Stephon Diggs to go other than down because he has been the focal point. Again, the Gabe Davis part, he is who he is, but he was hurt and just ineffective yeah. last year. So, like, everything was funneled in the direction of Stephon Diggs. All right, that's what you're getting today. Just one of 14 players I don't like. Don't shoot me. Seth <laughs> <Diggs> is fine. <laughs> Before we go any further, again, I checked the analytics of the last 28 days. 50 or 67 point something percent of you uh, are not subscribed who watch the channel. So change that. If you watch, you subscribe. Those are the rules. Okay. In round two, the 11th pick, the same name as you, Jonathan Taylor. This one would be super simple. We don't know the state of Jonathan Taylor's injury, which seems to be the reason that everyone's saying he's not practicing. We know it's not. But to that point, we don't know what team he is going to play for. He's also missed practices in a new offense for the entirety of training camp. I'm more willing to take that in round three than I am at the end of round two. And we know that no matter what, 
even if he does play the season, which he will because he really has no leverage, he will split the usage almost certainly inside the 10-yard line with Anthony Richardson as well. Yeah, I'll retract this if Jonathan Taylor gets traded, but that's probably under 50% chance right now. I think that there's environmental issues with Jonathan Taylor because of Anthony Richardson. I also think just like Jonathan Taylor last year was the RB16, 32nd overall player. So I'm in lockstep with you. I just don't see a bunch of receptions. not really on his profile. It's on the team profile. And I don't think they're going to get to the goal line as often as the Eagles did. Round four, the running back 12. Same name as you, the third pick of the fourth round, Najee Harris. Um, I will acknowledge that Najee Harris was injured last season, but if we package that with also, I believe his rookie year, over the past two years, there have been 74 running backs with 100 or more carries. Najee Harris has a run of 10 or more yards on 8.1% of those carries, which ranks 60th of Mm. that group. He had seven 15-plus yard carries last year. That was 27th. He had nine the year before that. So, I talk about those explosive plays, and we do all the time when we discuss Najee Harris, because if he doesn't have those explosives, which either go for long gains or touchdowns, then he needs all the volume. He's not going to get as much as the volume this year. Like his rookie season, he got 74 receptions, which again, counteracted the lack of explosive plays. He's not going to get 74 receptions this year for the wide receiver reasons, and most importantly, the Jalen Warren reasons. Yeah, as a as a prospect, he was exciting in fantasy because it was very rare for somebody of his size to catch as many passes and be as comfortable yeah. in that capacity. Well, when you just remove that, then what exactly do we have here? So I'm with you. Jalen Warren, his best attributes are his ability to stay compact, keep his body moving when they're running on these flats. And I think that Jalen Warren is just going to be a factor. And Najee Harris just needs to lose some more weight. He needs to slim down like Le'Veon Bell did. Le'Veon Bell was calling out Najee Harris for playing too big. I think it makes total sense. He's not an explosive player. He's not going to be catching passes anymore. Yeah. I mentioned this comparison on your version of this show, but I think we might be getting the late stages of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler with the chargers here with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, not to say that, you know, Jalen Warren is going to turn into Austin Eckler, but it's kind of that like, Oh, size discrepancy. Yet one of them, um, is just better in certain areas of the game. Obviously, during those seasons, we had both tremendous years from Gordon and Austin Eckler. But uh, it, it, it's going to be nervous because also, what, in preseason week one usage, we did see them taking Najee off the field for Jalen Moore in certain in circumstances. So I'm going to double dip in round four because I, I, I skipped round three. And by the way, I know that Hayden had this name as well. Go and check out his version of this. Um when I made this list, I had not looked at Hayden's. So sure, there's going to be some overlap. We do a freaking show together or five every single week. Um, but he did not have this name. The end of round four, the 12th pick, DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver 26. I can't stop thinking about that show that we did with Ryan Heath, that when we start to see glimpses of decline for players who are now 31 years of age, like the cliff is right around the corner or it might be there one season after expecting it. Um, this would be an easier fade if Traylon Burks was healthy. In fact, I might make the bold prediction if Traylon Burks was healthy, that he would lead this team in receiving and not DeAndre Hopkins. But man, I understand that he is a market share hog in terms of targets whenever he plays. But to me, this is why market shares, while supposedly trying to keep everyone in the same playing field, it's different than if you're playing for the Tom Brady Buccaneers right. or with Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans when they throw the ball 27 times per game. 
that would have been 29th in the NFL last season. And so this team, I think even with a new full-time play caller this year, they're going to stick to their identity. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you here that I've noticed a little bit of a decline, not necessarily in fantasy points, but it's like on tape. Do you think there's like a, a certain way the Titans are going to use them? Like what about DeAndre Hopkins game is necessarily going to change? Do you think he's going to have to win more shallow? Do you think he's just well, going to have to be all contested catches? What do no, you see? From him? What, what have we seen from Ryan Tannehill where he's at his best throwing the football with his days of A.J. Brown? It was over the middle of the field. Yep. It was crossing routes. It was overs. It was all that. Um for a very long time, think back in your head with DeAndre Hopkins. So much of it are these outside breaking routes or awesome yeah. contest catches. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be able to coexist, but the best passing versions that we have seen of DeAndre Hopkins or excuse me, of, of Ryan Tannehill are with a different type of receiver. Yeah. Um, and again, we're getting that at age 31 after at least to me on a full season. I know coming off of injury, and what suspension steroids <laughs> a, a decline yeah. for for deandre hopkins and um, also when when ryan Tannehill was playing his best ball when they were you know first in the afc aj brown was a absolute dog aj brown was still like a fourth round pick at best yeah and there are just some wide receivers going after him that are younger that are playing in offenses that are going to throw more that i am just fading deandre hopkins and just mm -hmm. waiting for those types, that's for sure. Okay, so if that's a double dip in the fourth round, let's now go to the fifth round. And it's Christian Kirk, the fourth pick of the fifth round, wide receiver 28. I will say if usage changes for the rest of the preseason, I retract this. But the most recent information that we have is that Christian Kirk is not playing in three or in two wide receiver sets and only stuck in three wide receiver sets after being in two wide receiver sets. What? 79% of the time last year, you've talked a lot about this. It's just easier for players to score fantasy points when they're out there on a full time basis. Um, sure. The Jaguars are going to be predominantly an 11 personnel, three wide receiver set team. But if you dig below the surface and my guy, Rich Rebar always does, Christian Kirk was targeted on 21.5% of his routes. That was 36th among all wideouts with 100 more routes run last season with just 1.79 yards per route run. That's 32nd. So again, those numbers were in the 30s. If then he's not on the field in all those situations because now they have brought in an alpha and he's just running fewer routes, that is concerning. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Christian Kirk and Zay uh, Jones are role players in the NFL. It's decent caliber, starting caliber role players. Calvin Ridley's an absolute dog. We saw like yes. just in that preseason game, two man pre-stap. Trevor Lawrence could throw the ball to anybody. He immediately locks in to Calvin Ridley, his guy, catches it. I think it's just going to be more of that. So I think we saw Christian Kirk's best year uh, of his career last year. I think so. And it was worth the money. They mm -hmm. won a playoff game. They made the playoffs. The usage was... Excellent. But if you go back to like his time in Arizona, he really was like a vertical slot player. He had to be used in almost a different way last year as more of a volume type mm -hmm. player as well. Um, I wonder if we go back to a bit more of that Arizona Cardinals usage now that like there are more people, not just him, that could potentially stretch the field. Namely, again, the alpha of this team. And Zay Jones. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Zay Jones, I'm looking at his contract just to re recall. Three years, $25 million. That's so much more than anyone wants to give him credit for. You'd love to see it. Sixth round. 
J.K. Dobbins, running back 21, the seventh pick of the sixth round. Um, he has just one career game of more than 15 carries. Wow. Isn't that wild? Even in like past super run-heavy versions of this team, which I think they're actually escaping now with Todd Monken as quarterback, one lone running back has never been a huge win for an entire season attached to Lamar Jackson. And then there's other layers to this. Like he's not happy with his contract. Again, the common narrative since Tom Monken was hired, like that first day that we are going to spread it out and we're going to get our running backs more involved in the passing game. I didn't buy it at first, but then what we saw in preseason week one was Justice Hill running ahead of Gus Edwards. And what we've seen since is your guy Keaton Mitchell getting some first team run with the first team offense as well. And he's like purely a receiving back. Guess who's not a receiving back is J.K. Dobbins, who has 25 career catches in 23 regular season games. So reading between the lines, I could be totally wrong unless something does change. I don't know if they're perfectly thrilled with how all of this has been handled for kind of two straight seasons. Plus coming off, you know, now it's year two of this injury. Um, I'm just out on J.K. Dobbins in round six. Yeah, I've gotten bad vibes from him for a w- long time. He was kind of calling out the coaches about his rehab. J.K. Dobbins Last was year. wrong. He had to yep. get a setback, uh, and he had to have surgery again. And even last year when he was balling out down the stretch, put on the tape, and you're like, man, he's like literally dragging his leg across the field for like 50-yard games. I don't know how he was doing that, but it didn't look right to me. So, yeah, I just think that there could be a little bit of a rotation here, and I'm not sure if Dobbins' skill set is like as a pass catcher here. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Yeah. Before we continue, if this is the yin of the conversation, the yang version was our favorite player to draft in every single round. That video for each of us is also on the channel. So be sure to check it out after this one is done. Okay. Round seven, the third pick is a tight end six. It's Kyle Pitts. I mean, we just had... Mason Dodd on the channel saying that Kyle Pitts is one of his favorite players to draft. Um, I will say even in his 1000 yard rookie season, he finishes the tight end 12 in points per game and only eclipsed 10 fancy points in three of those contests. It's not like if you remember back and you rostered him that season, you weren't amped to start Kyle Pitts on a weekly basis. Right. And that was when he eclipsed 1000 receiving yards you know it's all the touchdowns it's all comes down to the touchdowns and i know that those vary year in and year out but one we haven't just seen the arthur smith usage with him in the red zone so far like 19 red zone 
targets in 27 career games. So then what does that happen when we get the year two bump for Drake London? What then happens when they spend a top 10 overall pick on Bijan Robinson, who they're going to get involved inside of the red zone? You know, I, I love Kyle Pitts, the idea. I love Kyle Pitts and how he moves. I don't want to miss out on the year of the Kyle Pitts breakout. Maybe it's this year, but he is not going to be the risk that I take in the middle rounds of selecting a tight end. Yeah, it's so frustrating and difficult to parse through because his career yards per out run is at 1.92. That only trailed Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews last year. So like his talent is undeniable, but like you said, it just hasn't mattered because of the team environment. So I hope that he looks better than he has to start training camp. And it does seem like they're giving him more and more reps, which is encouraging. I just think it's harder for tight ends to truly separate. Um, so I, I have been mixing him in a little bit because ADP has dropped like almost 20 spots over the last couple months um, where I feel more comfortable now. But if you have to like spend like a fifth round, sixth round pick on him, which in some leagues you do, I am with you. That's a little bit too rich for me. And you know this, ever since May, I've been on the Darren Waller train. I think all the way back when he was going as the tight end nine, he's now going as the tight end five, I think, yeah. even ahead of Kyle Pitts. But Kyle Pitts is going one pick ahead of Dallas Goddard. And I understand that Goddard's like the third in the pecking order in terms of targets on that team. I mean, I could argue Kyle Pitts might do the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons this year. Mm-hmm. And I just trust the Atlanta Falcons offense way less than yeah. I do the Philadelphia Eagles offense. I heard somebody make this point. I never really thought about this. Drake London also last year was coming off of like a broken leg. Like we just like kind of like wrote that off. Like there's a chance that like Drake London just like takes massive steps. Yeah. I mean, there's a real shot that he ascends. Um, Okay. Here we go. Round eight. Tua Tungavailoa. Quarterback 10. The ninth pick of the eighth round. Even with that incredible and i truly mean incredible first half of last season when the dolphins had the best offense in the nfl Tua had four games above 23 points which is kind of like that threshold that you talked about with the elite quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and four games below and then we know for the rest of the season he didn't cross 18 for what the other six or five games that he played and so unless the Dolphins repeat as the best offense in the NFL for a long stretch of this season. And there are multiple reasons why that that probably won't happen that we'll get into. Um, that is the only way that Tua reaches the elite status because he brings zero rushing ability. You know, he's surrounded by a bunch of quarterbacks before him and after him that offer at least something rushing wise that can push them to the elite status. And if I'm going for, again, this middle round quarterback area, I want someone that's going to give me a chance of a top five season. And I don't think Tua can do it. Yeah, through the first 12 weeks when he was like on par with Mahomes, when it comes to all these, like the metrics that we talked about, EPA and completion percentage, all that type of stuff. It was in an offense that basically the NFL is like more or less never seen before where it's so RPO heavy, but it wasn't like the RPOs for six yards. Like they were throwing the ball over the middle in that 10 to 15 yard range repeatedly. That is the most efficient way to throw the ball. Like, but we've never seen an offense be able to sustain that. To me, I think there's the, this is the offense that's most at risk of defensive changes, really making the Dolphins have to change. And I don't think that's going to fit Tua. Like what we saw last year was the best use of Tua's skill set and like the players around him. If he has to start making more throws to the 
sideline, if they have to run the ball more, I think that's going to really impact too. But I just think that we're not going to see defenses be like, like not used to seeing this offense. They we right. saw that in the back half of the season, they were already making adjustments. Now with a full off season to study this offense, I think throws like the one we just saw right there are going to be a little bit harder to scheme up. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get another eight game stretch where this team is unguardable. <laughs> Basically is what it comes down to. And they have to be unguardable for him to reach the elite yeah. quarterback status. Okay. Round nine, same name as you it's Jamison Williams. This one can be quick. The wide receiver 50. Um, the first time you're going to see him is week seven. He'll have one career catch, a dicey training camp on the field, an injury off the field that will likely keep him out for the rest of the preseason. I believe in the Lions. I believe in Ben Johnson. I cannot have any faith right now in Jamison Williams as a player, even though he has clear areas where he wins as a vertical player. But even with that, as a top 20 overall selection, you would have hoped by this point he could have expanded off that route tree and become more of a um, complete player. And there's just been like no moments that we've been able to see that because he has nine career targets. Yeah, at Alabama, he was like a fantastic one-trick pony, like as elite as you get into that skill set, but it was going to take some time for him to develop into more of that, being more of a a target-based player, not just a deep threat. And there's just been nothing so far in the NFL that shows us that he has the ability to do Deshaun Jackson type things. Um, So yeah, I think we're just, I like to see it first. And I think that there's a good chance that people are going to draft him and then drop him. And then maybe you and I on week eight on our waiver wire show, maybe we're talking about him then. Um, but until then, I think it's it's on everyone else. And if you think these ADPs are wild, like again, Jameson Williams being a middle of the ninth round pick over an underdog, you can play on underdog fantasy right now. Use the link in the description down below. I will be matching your first deposit up to $100. I think it's like the best way to prepare for your season-long leagues, your home leagues with your buddies um, because, man, there's some true sickos over there. And uh, just do a couple, do a couple of $5 puppies and uh, it'll really allow you to recognize the draft room and work out your strategy on the fly. Just yesterday, I went on to Yahoo to do a mock draft because we're going to be doing how to beat the Yahoo default rankings. I just wanted to get a feel for what things are like. Everyone leaves the mock drafts after like two rounds. Like how could you, how could you prepare doing them? Go play against us where people are actually trying and have been trying for months on this thing. Our ADP updates all the time. The only way to prepare for your drafts is watch our show and a draft on Unbob. Round 10, the 12th pick of round 10, Alan Lazard, wide receiver 56. I'm kind of shocked he's going this late, (laughs) but I I understand it from this point where um, he had a hundred targets last year, but that's because he was the only trusted wide receiver on a team attached to Aaron Rodgers. He was the wide receiver one for the vast majority of that season because we know Christian Watson didn't really emerge until the final parts of it. Guess what? That's not happening with Garrett Wilson out there. And I've talked about this in our video that we did with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. Like, despite bringing in Aaron Rodgers, I think this team is going to really be a running back heavy offense. Um, it's going to be running back focused in the run game. It's going to be running back focused in the passing game. And for that running game, this is why you keep Corey Davis, even though you could save what $12 million if you just cut him because he's one of the better run blocking wide receivers in the league. Guess who has also gotten that moniker? Alan Lazard. Like, again, I don't think this is going to be a pass heavy team. And because of that, when they do throw, especially inside of the red zone, 
It's going to be funneled like we saw from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson. I just don't know how Al Lazar is going to score fantasy points this year. We'll probably get a lot of YouTube comments on this show. I'm not sure a single one is going to be, how did you put Alan Lazard on this list? That's probably a good thing. But hey, he's being drafted in the 10th <laughs> round right now. It's uh, pretty shocking when I saw that. Okay, I'm going to skip round 11 and do three in round 12. Okay, sure. The first one, it comes from our preseason usage show. It's Rondell Moore, uh, the sixth pick, wide receiver 62. He's stuck in three wide receiver sets. If that, this team... Probably won't be good. Shout out Colt. Um, Rondale is last year playing in two wide receiver sets. That's why we can't just, you know, copy what happened last year when new teams come in and then boom, we hit on all the changes this year. And so if they're already sticking Michael Wilson out there, I don't think Rondale Moore, I, I don't think he should be drafted. Yeah, I think in full PPR, he should be in that same tier as the other slot wide receivers. But at this point, it's hard to rank him above them. So he's going to fall in ADP as he should. KJ Osborne's the next round 12. No and comments look, he, here. <laughs> he's, he's actually though still starting in two wide receiver sets. That's not true. When preseason usage show, when I talked about Jordan Addison versus KJ Osborne, we got a bunch of your underrating KJ, so on and so forth. Maybe, maybe, but we're also going to see a change in how the Vikings approach their offense this year. We talked about it and hypothesized as soon as they gave Josh Oliver a massive contract to be a blocking tight end. Kevin O'Connell came out and called Johnny Mont the best tight end three in the NFL. Then awesome beat writer for the athletic Alec Lewis um, pointed out that we're going to see heavier personnel packages for this team. To me, that's going to push TJ Hawkinson to like a de facto slot wide receiver role. And so whether it happens in week one, week four, week six, Jordan Addison is going to eclipse KJ Osborne in two wide receiver sets. And I think that third wide receiver is going to see far diminished opportunities and snaps than we've previously seen with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and they were already grooming Addison. They were testing him in the run game, putting him next to the offensive line, even in the preseason, starting him in two wide receiver sets. They, the plan is for him to be there. And even if KJ Osmond holds on to the, the starting slot job, that starting slot job hits a lot weaker when you're also now competing with Hawkinson, who wasn't there previously, and Jordan Addison, who's definitely better than Adam Phelan at this point. All right, the last round 12 landmine. Greg Dulcich, you had this name as well. He's currently a part-time player, which is awful on a passing offense, which could be awful with a quarterback that I need to see it again to believe it with him on a team that's probably going to focus on running the football. I talked about it on your episode, but man, people fall in love with these types of pass catchers. And I get it. Like he can be explosive. He doesn't play tight end like the lumbering dudes do who block. But guess what? Those blockers are out there on every single down. Um, and Greg Dulcich is not right now, period. Yeah, you had four Trojans on your must-draft players and now one Bruin on your fades. I love this. <laughs> All right, we'll close with Irv Smith. Um, I cannot believe, cannot believe that people are drafting Irv Smith over Jawan Johnson, Luke Musgrave, Jake Ferguson, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, etc. What are y'all doing drafting Irv Smith as a tight end 19 this year? He is some and has been since he entered the league some theoretical 
upside tight end because you all think he's athletic, even though he tested like a below average athlete coming out of Alabama, despite his size. And now he's in an offense that does not feature a tight end. Yes. Um, CJ Uzoma and Hayden Hurst both got paid after they played with Joe Burrow, but at best you are the fifth pass catcher on that team behind the three wide receivers and Joe Mixon. And that really comes up when you're in the red zone and inside the 10 yard line, when touchdowns are so important, like, I'm sorry, I do not understand Irv Smith still being drafted as a top 20 tight end when nothing has ever happened with Bengals tight ends for a long stretches of seasons. 6'4", 241, that's working against him. That's why we're out on Chig and Greg Dolcich and those types. The NFL also is so out on Irv Smith. His, I'm looking at his contract. He signed a one-year contract worth up to $1.7 million. What are we doing? $400,000 guaranteed. What, what like, he's not even doing? a lock to be a starter. He's been a second-round pick in a tight end a couple years ago who has also not done anything. But I'm, I'm even trying to bring up C.J. Ozoma's numbers when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um for a season, he finished with 49 catches for 493 yards and five touchdowns. I think that was quite similar to what Hayden Hurst put out there. But if you dig into what his per-game numbers were like, it was two massive spike weeks. With In week four, he had a 21-pointer. In week seven, he had a 21-pointer. Long touchdown. Yeah. Besides that, he only had four games above 3.6 fantasy points. But even Four games above three. So, Hayden, let me ask you this. Since you're part of this hive mind, are people drafting Irv Smith because they previously drafted Joe Burrow and that's the only reason? Yes, and then the people that are facing the Bengals get to draft him for their Week 17 runbacks. But even the Uzoma and Hayden Hurst, by the way, who like probably aren't that good, they just signed contracts worth $21 million and $24 million. Irv Smith got $1 million. The NFL is telling us that they're, that Irv Smith is not even on the ballpark of C.J. Uzoma. I, I mean, I, I guess the bring back or the stack is for week 17 and, and that's that. And maybe it's one of those 21 point, but man, I also want to get help to get to that point each and every week. And I don't think that Irv Smith compared to like, there is a chance that Luke Musgrave or Jake Ferguson or Jawan Johnson Dominate. finishes yeah. top 10 tight ends this year, top seven tight ends and have more spike weeks than Irv Smith. And like, that's just been left at the door here. If you draft a Joe Burrow, you don't want him throwing the ball to Irv Smith. If that's happening, <laughs> right. things have gone wrong, wrong. <laughs> that's a good point. Sorry, I just, I, it is weird. Some it makes no sense. It really doesn't. It's just looking at like the the logo and not looking at the player. Anyways, he's I also not healthy ever. By the way, ever, ever, and he's not athletic. We get over that. Okay, that's it. We did it. It was a good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. That's what six shows this week, five shows. I think six. I think it was six. Um, we thank you for supporting the channel. We're just getting started. A ton of preseason games this week. That means we'll have a reaction next Monday with all the usage and new information that pops in. So again, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Play on Underdog. I'm matching your first deposit up to $100. When you click the link, shout out to Producer Weaves. Up the villa. They better win this weekend against Everton. Talk to you soon.